Welcome to b Bite, where we discuss our life experiences from the ups to the downs to everything in between. I'm one of your host, Mario, and Lily is not here today. So, trying out something new here, right? So, Lily is busy with her work, so I'll give her a couple weeks off there, here and there, uh, for her to kind of rest up and come back in full force. But in the meantime, uh, I'm trying out uh, essentially like a solo podcast. This is new to me, right? So I, this is kind of parallel to the hiking where I used to hike a lot with my friends, but a lot of them are quite busy. So I, I tend to go to a lot of the solo hiking now. So just kind of quick life updates. Uh, this week, I finally finished my final exams and two assignments. Uh, well, both finals and the assignment for my school. So I'm, I'm technically officially unofficially done with my school and my second master's. So bittersweet where it's been like the journey has been like since 2019, uh, fall 2019 when I first started the second master's and now I'm finally done, right? It's been two and a half years since then. And yeah, at the same time, I'm happy I'm done so I can move on to do other things, uh, potentially starting publishing like a lot of my YouTube videos and, and vlogs and things like that. But at the same time, I'm also sad that probably not as much motivation in terms of learning uh, school and work stuff. But yeah, let, let's see where this goes. Maybe this is something where I find an interesting topics regard, like related to my work and then maybe reading more papers that are set in regular schedules or uh, taking more classes online uh, just to you know, keep learning. And Potentially even as I, I spoke to Lily and other friends too, but I think this is something on top of my head, whether to go to get another PhD, uh, sorry, not another, but to get a PhD or an online MBA, which I'm also interested in, um, in order to understand right, the stakeholders that I work with in my company. So with that square away, this week's topic, uh, I really wanted to talk about a little bit about I guess my role for my job uh, as a data scientist, right? So I wanna give like a broad overview of a day in the life as a data scientist, uh, but as well as like, what does data science even mean? How does one even get this kind of job as a data scientist or does it require training? Does it require to go to school to go for it? Uh, What kind of like training in order to to be one, right? And what consider as good data scientist, a better data scientist, what fields are there, prospects about a job? So this might sound boring to some of the listener here but i i figure this is the topic that i probably very familiar about and be able to talk to it solo right compared to having lily chime in on this as well so maybe let's talk a little bit about what exactly is data science of course this day is like a lot of uh, uh keyword or buzzwords being used pretty loosely here right it used to be called statistician it used to be called essentially uh, the, the people who work in like a math sector or, or even like statistics or modeler, things like that, it, it can be called many things. But now everything sort of lumped into what we call data science, uh, especially with the explosion of the growth of the machine learning. Um, again, machine learning term is also used, being used loosely here. In the high level, essentially, right? it, it's a combination of probability, statistic, computer science skill, so all those combined as well as the, the business sense and be able to kind of like exp, uh, explain all those 
results to the stakeholder in, in an intelligent way that sort of encapsulate a data science in, in my point of view, right? And one question is, well, what does it require for one to, to be a data scientist? So certainly uh, these days there are many people from different background that switch to become a data scientist, especially uh, for those who are studying PhD from multiple varying role uh, that they could apply data science in their field. So few examples are, if you are a linguistic person, you could work in a space of natural language processing, right? essentially think about the text, the free form, the speech, and then you're able to apply some sort of um, machine learning model to learn things and be able. So imagine things like chatbot, things like, right, uh, you talk to, hey, Siri, I want to do something, then it will reply to you and understand your, your, your sort of speech. Or it could be that you're interested in detection, right? So, so let's say you point a camera to a specific shoes, right? Uh, it'll tell you like what shoes is this? Is this like a Nike? Is it a Jordan? Is it an Adidas? Again, there are many use cases here. And then there's also, right, if you go to Amazon or you go to like a uh, e-commerce these days, oftentimes when you browse something, they'll tell you, uh, they'll have the section where it says, you might also like this because other people have viewed it. So they kind of do some kind of profiling or even personalization, right? So they know that you likely you might buy uh, based on what you browse, you might buy some of the things that you may like here. So they target you with specific products, specific advertisement, right? I, I'm sure some of you are aware, like if you visit Facebook or Instagram, uh, even if you don't search anything on it, you just talk, you know, just talk regularly with your friend. And somehow when you open Instagram or Facebook later, you can see that they show you some ads relevant to the topic that you discuss with your friends about. So again, things like that. There are many use cases for sure, uh, but those are just a few examples. So what does it require exactly to be a data scientist? The couple path. So definitely you can go to school, right? So any type of like a computer science or even like analytics uh, degree, or it could be math, statistic, pretty much anything. It's just a matter of like how you apply your knowledge into this space, right? And there are also people who go to bootcamp, but essentially it's like six months to one year program where they essentially teach you the, the map, the probability, the statistic, as well as the computer science side of thing to enable you to be able to work as a data scientist. But even without all of those, there's also other online platform that you can learn from. So to name a few, Cargo is one of them where you can sign up and learn from others. You can sign up in competition and win some money that let's say Google posted or Airbnb posted, right? So going to school is one of them. Well, I guess one question is, you know, what fields are there within data science, right? So it's pretty broad again, right? Even like you go to school for something within data science, there are many different types of jobs. So you can be a data scientist, you can be a data engineer, you can be a machine learning engineer. Uh, you can be analyst. So uh, you can be a product manager, so on and so forth, right? So there are a lot of avenue of depending on your interest on what you like to do. So maybe let me talk a little bit about the type of job within data science, uh, specifically a data scientist job. Even that there's a lot of distinction here. So just talking as a data scientist perspective, there's um, if you go to a big company like Facebook slash Meta, 
or uh, Google, for example, uh, they do have this distinction even between data scientists, what they call uh, a product data scientist and also a core data scientist, right? So a product data scientist, essentially what you do there uh, can be multiple things. It could be building dashboard, tracking metrics. It could be setting up some sort of uh, A-B test, right? So imagine if you go to a site, you might experience one experience, whereas your friend might experience another experience that's totally different than you. So, and then from there, they could measure whether, you know, you bought something from the website, whether you browse or you, you know, add things to the cart to understand you know, what sort of features would people get more interested. So one of the things that Netflix does well is a lot of time Netflix show you some sort of uh, different uh, like a trailers or a snippets of the trailers that could be very different from one person to the other. Uh, and as far as I know, I know Netflix ran a lot of uh, A-B tests each day. So that, that could be more of like uh, the product data scientist, right? So your goal there is to improving the product, creating metric, think about what other ways you can improve the product by setting up a uh, A-B test or way to improve it. Then there's also a core data scientist. Uh, generally in a big company, they mostly hire PhDs, where in this case, it's more toward research. And yeah, essentially like, you know, having um, researchers coming in, doing some research, doing a lot of novelty stuff. So a lot of time you spend time reading papers, uh, theory crafting about how you can improve the, the model and then you can also open source things that people can use. So that's like in the core data scientist, uh, uh, core data science work. And even within startup and corporate is very different. So having work at both startup and corporate, I can speak a little bit to this as well, right? So for corporate, usually you are more focused on one specific department or zone, as you say, uh, where, where, for example, if you work in a supply chain space in a big company, your most of your projects will be in supply chain focused space. Uh, and each department, each team may or may not have data scientists embedded to them, or they might have centralized data scientists. In a startup setting, it's very different, right? So in a startup setting, you have the number of employees is smaller the team size is smaller. So you pretty much have to be scrappy wearing many hats. Uh, you will work as analyst, uh, product manager at the same time, but also data scientist and also deployment all together. And you work with many departments, right? So, so from an e-commerce perspective, you work in, uh, you work with marketing, uh, recommendation, personalization, operations, fraud, customer service, pretty much anything in the company that deals with any kind of some sort of metrics or some sort of things you need to improve, pretty much data science uh, has like a touch on it. So again, uh, everyone's experience is very different. I'm just speaking from my experience. What about prospects, right, of this kind of job? So at least from what I saw um, from the US news, right, data scientists jobs seems to be pretty hot right now. I think it's number one, uh, sorry, number three in the best technology sector. And the median pay is around 90K-ish, right? But also depending on where you live, like let's say if you live in Bay Area, likely you, you'll get paid much higher because the living cost is 
very high there, right? Compared to let's say working in Georgia. Um, e- even though I think this days, from what I heard from my friends, is that if you were in Georgia, the pay is quite high as well um, due to inflation. But also, a lot of uh, tech companies also have secondary office in Atlanta as well. Then I think the next thing that's worth exploring is how do you go about interview preparations, right? So it really depends on the role that you are interviewing for. So a lot of the the, the product data scientists, right, the, the role that I mentioned earlier, it requires you to know a lot about SQL. So SQL is a uh, query language that you use to fetch the data, the data from the data warehouse or database. So so for that one, you have to be really strong. So usually when you go an interview, they could send you a case that you can take home and do, or they might do that on the spot when you are interviewing the office, right? So they might say something like, hey, Mario, we have this three tables in data warehouse. We have the orders table, we have the product tables, we have the customer tables. Can you actually write a query to join these three tables to get the metrics that we need? Uh, so they'll come up with some kind of scenario and you have to write like a very um, optimal query, right? To, to essentially show your mastery of the skill. And then sometimes like a lot of company, right? If they don't have a lot of uh, resources, they would try to send you a take home test, right? So that's one way for them to filter candidate to make sure that people that they bring in to the office for a second round will be a candidate that at least they know have a pretty strong sense of uh, a data science background, right? So it could be things like they give them a case based on the problem that they have in a company or a simple problem that they found on uh, like online, but with their own data set. Then they give it to you, they tell you the scenario, you have to analyze it in every angle possible and then create a slide or report out of it. And sometimes they would ask you to present that slide through Zoom or through online meetings so that they, they want to understand if you are able to communicate your results to the stakeholders clearly, right? I think it's one thing to be a good data scientist, like in, in terms of having you know your, your strong probability statistics and math and computer science skill, but to be a better data scientist, you, are, you have to be able to explain the technical concepts, right, to your stakeholders in a simple way. Just imagine you try to to explain to someone uh, like a five years old, right? You you can use the, all the technical words for them uh, because they won't understand what you're saying there. So technically, for the interview, usually you have right the case studies, the take home exam, and then you'll go to on site for interview. So for on site, it could be combination of Managers talking to you, right, to make sure you are not crazy. That's the first thing for sure they want to check. And then also if you are comfortable with feedback, right, because a lot of time uh, some people don't take feedbacks well, and it's really hard to work with people like that. And you have to be careful of what you're saying. So uh, yeah, that's one thing they also want to kind of look out for, right? So they will use some some kind of situational questions, things like, have you ever had conflict with your coworkers or your managers on projects? If so, how do you resolve it? Or things like, like when do you need to, when you try to override your manager's decision, how do you communicate it in a clean way such that there is no conflict? Uh, so again, they use a lot of situational sort of questions, right? To, to help you 
to try to gauge like how do you actually deal with those situations and i know a lot of people don't really like those questions but if you work in in this space for quite a long time i, I felt like this is some this is a skill that is required otherwise it's really hard to drive uh, projects forward if you don't know how to manage relationship right so that's kind of like few things that you need to know of but there's also live coding in the office in the second round where they will ask you hey mario you know how do you actually write this in the python scripting language right so python is another scripting language that we use quite heavily to, to, to do analysis and all those things so you know they want to understand if you are just fresh out of school, you might not know a lot of Python, right? Or you may be out of job force for a while, you're trying to get back in, you might be a little bit uh, rusty on this kind of thing. So they want to test this type of things as well. So besides that, right, how, when you apply to a company, what kind of resume would actually catch their eyes? Uh, I speak to this from experience, for both from what my manager told me in the past when I applied for an internship at one of the company that I work with and also the full-time actually company is that especially in this space I think it's very closely with like a software engineers or front and front-end engineer or back-end engineer is that in your resume if you say like you did something to me that's that is not enough oftentimes you want to include uh, your personal sites, GitHub, which is like a, a platform to host all your codes that you have worked in this space, right? So things could be your personal projects or projects you done with your friends. And then you build like a simple site that people can link and look at your code and, and see, you know, if you're active in this area, right? So suppose if, if I have like, you know, if I'm screening two candidates, one is having a strong resume, the other one might not have as strong as resume, but this person actually have the personal site as well as the GitHub or some sort of a repositories to host his or her code, then I will likely give more chance to the second candidate just because there are more things that they have shown that they are capable of doing, right? Uh, so I do see usually that's given edge to candidates when applying. So I, again, like, you can host your website on GitHub, it's totally free, or you can host it in other site. And even if you purchase like a, a website, right, to maintain it is very cheap. So I just don't see why wouldn't someone spend like a day or two to try to build those, right? And, 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 and of course, you know, if you are doing something, you're doing a job that you are not passionate about, then then it's more like you just in for the job for the money and in long term you might get burned out and you might find yourself hating yourself uh, for working in that area so with that all square away right now let's talk about a little bit about a day in the life of a data scientist again i'm speaking from my experience my experience can be very different than others it really depends on where you work at to be honest it's very different so maybe let's start on when I wake up. So usually I wake up around 6 a.m. like a West, uh, like Pacific Western, uh, Pacific like daytime, daylight time or Western time, I guess, West Coast time. So I wake up, uh, exercise a little bit, get ready. Usually I'm ready to work around 6.30 to 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. And I usually start a day by reading 
news around this field, like the data science field, or or even like art new article about like ways people of trying to tackle problems. So I use a uh, couple of sites that I usually use is like Medium. Uh, so you can search on Google called Medium Data Science. There's a blocks a lot of blocks there, or um, sometimes I check on Twitter, right, where you have like or LinkedIn, where you have posts from Facebook. Uh, sometimes I read like an abstract on the paper to see if it's interesting. If it is, then I save it to read later on. And I found this to be helpful because uh, oftentimes, right, when you work, especially if you're out of school and you start working, you tend to forget that this data science field is very uh, moving very rapidly in a fast pace. What you know yesterday or six months ago might not be as relevant right now. So you have to keep up with the new news, new approach, new everything to keep yourself up to date, right? Because if you, especially if you want to go to a technical route of a data scientist route, rather than being like a people manager data science route, if you want to be technical, then you have to keep up to date with everything. So usually I go to Medium uh, or other blogs that I read, like a few, you know, like a skim through it. And then if I find something interesting, I save it. Uh, from there, then I start working around 7 a.m., give or take. The reason I start, I know a lot of people working in tech companies start around like 9 a.m. or something. I personally is a very morning person. And also the big thing about working in the early morning is that no one is online. I'm able to get a lot of work done from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. without any interruption. That's basically like my focus time. Uh, so I start working 7 a.m. till around like 12 p.m. ish or 1 p.m. ish. It depends. And then I take a break for lunch. So I know if you watch those like YouTube videos a day in the life of data scientists, you'll see like the, the, the person in the videos like probably spend most time walking around, especially if they work for a big company like corporate. You see most of the time is spent like drinking coffee play play games or slouch somewhere or you know just just do some random thing that's not working but in reality i think for the most part you actually spend time working like actually so i would say at least for me i think 50 percent of the time i spend time think about how to solve problem and also think about like if there's new other projects that i can think of that could be helpful to my stakeholders uh how should i structure my time right 50% of the time, I actually doing some code, some side of uh, some sort of like analysis, writing code, uh, doing some GitHub review, helping others with other things. So again, I think for the most part, I don't think it's as simple as like, oh yeah, I go out, you know, like playing and do all those things. For the most part, I'm actually on my desk working. And the nice thing about my current company is that everyone. Well, at least I think of everyone is very cognizant of putting time or meeting on your calendar, just because I think, especially for startup, right? Uh, it requires high output, so it doesn't make sense to schedule a lot of meeting unless it's necessary. So the only meeting that I have usually is uh, I have like a a stand up update that I post it in our team channel every day, which takes like a couple minutes, and then we also have like a team wide meeting once a week for like thirty minutes or an hour. But that's about it. Other than that, I have like a stakeholders meeting here and there that is relevant to the project, right? So 
usually have like a meeting if there is something important to talk about. Uh, other than that, I, I try to at least question like whether the, I need to attend the meeting. If I'm there just to you know listening in without giving much input, without gaining anything, then it's pointless for me to be there. At least that's what I thought of. Whereas if I used to work when I used to work at corporate, it seems that I'm in a lot of meetings that I probably don't need to. So yeah, so in a day, then I have 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. roughly working. Then I, especially the start of COVID, right? I started learning how to cook. So I try to cook on my own on the weekdays. Uh, so usually take one hour from work cooking, but I'm also checking the messages just in case, you know, if someone asks me anything during lunch. So, and usually I think when I eat lunch, I <laughs> watch something like K-drama or some kind of variety shows uh, while cooking or while eating. And then after that, come back around 1 p.m. after one hour, right, and start working again. And I think a lot of time people are, or especially after you eat, you get food coma and things like that. For me, the way I think about it is like, Okay, I'm focusing from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. Right, I took one hour break, kind of take my mind off of work, then come back, coming back. Then I think that's that feels for me at least like the second lap, like the second runway that I had to run through. Right, and, and and then usually, I think what works out for me is I have like a whiteboard that I write out what I want to accomplish that day. So each day at least I have a goal of like what to do, um, because a lot of time I think if you don't write things out. You spend like mindlessly. You spend a lot of time mindlessly just thinking about what I need to do. Uh, so usually in the start of the morning, I write out what I want to accomplish that day, uh, whether it's personal or work or anything like that, and try to like check check the box, right? So from there, usually my yeah my day spent working, uh, deploying like app or or depending on the use case, right? Kind of like meeting with stakeholders, then. I get off around 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. depending on the day, but for the most part. I would say 6 p.m. is probably the right time. And I know you guys might ask, whoa, you actually work like nine, 10 hours a day. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, I would say it's a lot. And to me, I guess it really depends on like how passionate you are about your work. And I know some of you are going to say, oh yeah, why don't you ask for overtime work <laughs> or things like that, right? It, it really depends on what your personal goal is. Uh, personally, I set goals every six months or one year of like where I want to be. And so I try hard to be there. And, and that shows from the amount of time that I put in, right? So so you usually, I know a lot of people might not do this, and I, I came to learn about this as well um, very recent, is that when you talk to your manager about your review, don't talk about it when the review comes. Talk about it in the beginning even before the cycle was started, right? So let's say if you have six months, every six months you have a review. Let's say you have a review in June and December, right? You want to start a conversation in January and in June, right? And you tell your manager, hey, uh, you know, my expectation is that I will, I want to reach there. I want to reach this, um, maybe a promotion or, or, you know, learning new skills and getting more projects and getting more comfortable about like, public speaking, stakeholders manage, management, things like that. And then, you know, kind of set the expectation with a manager and your manager should help you navigate on what goals he thinks that you is achievable for you within the six months, right? And whether that is something that is 
uh, that you can do, right? So once you set that goal, right, and you work really hard toward it, six months comes when you have your review, then you have concrete things that you can discuss with your manager and say, hey, you know, we, in the beginning of the review, uh, beginning of the cycle, we talk about this and that and what to accomplish. Now six months comes, this is what I accomplished thus far. Then usually they try to score you, right? Whether they give you like one to five. So three is usually like, you're fine, like satisfactory. Five is like, you are awesome. You're up to promotion. Four is like, you are beyond out, like you are more than awesome, right? So then from there, you talk about compensation, things like that. So it really depends on where you want to be. And, and I think given like if you work in a startup, it's really hard to say, oh yeah, five o'clock, I'm done. I clocked out. It's not as simple as that, right? It's sometimes uh, you have to, I guess in a working place for me, uh, I felt like it's more like a give or take type of thing, right? Sometimes you help out other people more in return, uh, they could help you out more. I, I meant it in a way that you don't expect them to give you something in return, but more like if you're more flexible on the things that you can help them, usually they will be flexible in the things that they can help you, right? So things like maybe they they give you more projects, uh, they are more working more closely, you have a better relationship with your stakeholders, so it's easier to talk about new projects, right? So that's kind of what I meant about it. And of course, I think over the course of like, well, like four years, maybe more than four years of like working professionally now, it, it really depends on how you communicate with your uh, co-workers and your stakeholders. It Some of the people, right, they, everyone works at their own pace. I used to be the one where, okay, I work fast. I need everyone else to work fast to, uh, work fast to match my pace. But uh, especially like for the past year, I, I noticed that that's actually the wrong way to think about things, right? Where it's, you cannot expect everyone to match your pace, right? If you want to be fast, you can, but don't push others to be your, like to match your pace, right? So, so the idea there is like, okay, you can work fast and help out, but don't, you can try to like, you know, push things along, but don't expect people to match your own pace. And I think that realization actually helped me quite a bit in terms of like, well, first, not being annoying of asking people whether they have done their part. Second, more understanding that everybody has their own timeline, right? So, so I think usually as a good data scientist and you hand, you talk about a project with your stakeholders, one thing you will always want to ask is, what is the timeline on this? Uh, from our side and also from their side, right? Because we want to set the expectations straight. Of course, um, there might be blocker that can take longer time than what is expected. But overall, I think setting the expectation upfront is always good. And it it kind of it sort of create this responsibility that things need to get done by then. So that is something that I found super helpful when working. Yeah, so after 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., I usually get out of work, do some exercise, running, do some one punch man workout and whatnot, and then uh, cooking, eating, or hanging out with friends. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, and of course, um, now I'm trying to do things like reading more books, not, not, not textbook, but like something I just read in, in leisure. Uh, so trying to do more things to kind of enhance my knowledge, not necessarily in the professional setting, but just 
trying to expand my hobbies, right? So again, that's that's kind of like a a real a real day in my life as a data scientist. It's very different again uh, for everyone. Yeah. So this topic is a little bit dull. So I don't. I typically just want to talk about it, especially in the solo podcast, right? And if you guys are interested in hearing more, or even any other questions, feel free to message me or anything like that. Uh, I can certainly provide more details on how to break into this field. So, with that, I think this is that's all I have for this week. And if you guys like our pod, feel free to reach out to us on bbackpod at gmail dot com. Or on Instagram at be bad pot, and we'll see you next time. Bye.